0: Let's pray, and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we praise you for this morning, and we thank you for another day to look into what you have done. Lord, we pray that as we look into the person and the work of Christ, that you will also teach us to rest in his finished work. Lord, we pray all this in his name. Amen. All right. Good morning. Today is week 10. And I might be ambitious this morning to cover a lot of topics, but I think some people are getting tired of this class already. Bob's been asking me, when are you going to be done? So (laughs) I'm going to try and get through things quickly so Bob doesn't have to ask me again. So, all right. So last week we looked at the New Covenant, we looked at how the New Covenant was inaugurated and Jesus was uh, born, we looked at his birth, his, l- his life very, very briefly, and we also looked at the Last Supper where he inaugurated the New Covenant and how he was the first fruit of the New Covenant and um, his death and resurrection and f- subsequently the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brought about the New Covenant. But then at the end of last week, I left you guys with a lot of questions, if you remember. Um, These were the questions that we, that I said you should have at the end of last week after we looked at the new covenant. said, how did the new covenant and Jesus as the covenant mediator, fulfill all the prophecies of the new covenant? And then we also said how do we know that Jesus is the new and better Adam, the new and better Israel, the new and better David? And how do we know that he is the true seed of Abraham? We have looked at all of this in our cup co- from the beginning and when we looked at each of these covenants, we said that all of those covenant mediators failed. They were um, the ones that mediated the covenant between God and the people and whoever was were the parties, but all of them failed and because they failed, the whole every, the whole side of the covenant which humans were supposed to keep failed but god was still faithful and then we wanted to know so now that the new covenant is here what happens to the old covenants and also um, where are the new heavens and the new earth isn't that what the prophets said there would be isn't that the promise of the new covenant that there would be the new heavens and the new earth and there wouldn't be death and sickness anymore so where is all that why is it not here yet so those are the questions that we ended with last week. And today we want to try and answer these questions. Okay, so that's what we will try to do today. But before that, we have to understand that Jesus, as I said, is the covenant mediator. And we're looking at how he is the perfect covenant mediator and how he fulfilled all of these things. So first thing we have to understand is what was his ministry like? We will get into the details, but first thing I want us to know is overall, what did he come to accomplish? And the first thing we have to understand is he did not come to reverse history, as in he did not come to take us back to the Garden of Eden. It's not like a time machine, right? Where he rewinds time all the way to undo all the sins or everything that happened instead he came to recapitulate history or to repeat it right so that's the first thing that we have to understand when we look at jesus ministry and when i say recapitulated he came to show us what was supposed to be done in all those situations where the covenant mediators failed what was supposed to be done and how was it supposed to be done that is what he came to show us, okay? And this is where we also bring in the topic of typology. We spoke about typology in the ver- in the second class, how you have these historical events, not allegories, not something that you just make up, but these are actual historical events that happened which were actually pointing to something in the future. They were prophetic in nature, and they were purposely... Put there by God as an anticipation and a prophetic uh, sign for something that would come in the future. Examples, we said that the Exodus was a type of a greater redemption. Okay, we also, uh, Paul actually uses this in Romans 5, where he says Adam was a type of Christ. Okay? And then you can go into so many things, which, which we looked at in week two. We said that Eden was a type of a sanctuary, of a tabernacle, and then eventually the sanctuary. So there were all of these events, places, people that happened, historical places, not imaginations, um, but historical places that happened, uh, historical events, people, places that pointed to a greater reality in the future. And that is what we will look at today how Jesus fulfills all of those um, types and he um, he is the antitype of all of those types. He came not to undo the events, but he came to undo the curse of those events. Okay, so... Like I said, it's not a time machine where he's just going back and he's like, Adam ate the fruit. Oh, how do we undo it? It's not that we go back and rewind time and say, okay, Adam, um, here, you're going to be in this situation, but don't eat of the fruit. That's not what happened. Adam ate the fruit and there was a curse which God pronounced and God's word cannot be revoked. So the curse was there. So Jesus came to undo the curse of all of those failings and all of the places where the covenant mediators did not do what they were supposed to do. And also, it's important to know that he did it on behalf of his people. So as the covenant mediator, he did it on behalf of all those who will be included in the new covenant. And we looked at this last week, where uh, we said the the new covenant is between God and everyone who believes. Right, so... Everything that he did is on behalf of his people, his elect, which is what Paul tells us in Second Corinthians 5.21. You know, this, this is the whole, I mean, you could sum up all of Jesus' ministry. Again, I'm making it very, very simple, but you could look at Second Corinthians 5.21 and say this is what he came to do, that he came to become sin, even though he did not sin, he came to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God right? That is what he accomplished. He did not undo the events, but he undid the curse. He undid the curse by taking on the punishment on himself, by taking on our sins upon himself. And he also showed us how it is supposed to be done correctly, what God intended, what God wanted the covenant mediators to do. And that is where we, we get his righteousness to us. Okay, so that is an overall very, very high-level view of Jesus' ministry. And that's all keeping in mind the covenants. Again, you could go into so many different things, but keeping the covenants in mind, this is what we have to understand, that he came to undo the curse that were that was part of every covenant. We saw in covenants that if for loyalty and for obedience of the covenant, there are blessings, and if you are disloyal, and if you do not keep up the covenant, then... There are curses, right? So you have blessings and curses. So everybody in the old, um, all the covenants that came before the new covenant, everybody failed. And because of their failure, there were curses. So Jesus came to undo those curses and also to show us what is to be done and how it is supposed to be done so that there will be positive credit also. And And that was righteousness, which was credited to us. Okay, so that's overall. Now let's look at how Jesus undid or repeated and recapitulated all of those major events with every covenant head and how he showed us what was supposed to be done and how he undid what, or how he was better than our previous covenant mediators and where he succeeded when they failed. Okay, so that is what we're going to look at, and we're going to breeze through this because there's a lot of material. I'm very ambitious today to get through a lot of things, so let's um, get through this. So first, let's look at Adam. The first covenant that we looked at um, in creation was the covenant with creation, and we said Jesus, he's the better Adam. Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. Adam was the firstborn of the regular creation, of the normal creation, of the first creation. If you remember Genesis 1-2, what happens in Genesis 1-2? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. And Genesis 1-2, we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, you have the Spirit of God that is hovering over the waters. What happens in the birth of Jesus when Gabriel comes and tells Mary? And Mary asks, how will this be? I'm a virgin. What does the angel tell her? The, the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The holy, you will be conceived of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So just as Adam, or in the first creation, the Holy Spirit was there, in the same way, in the birth of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Okay, So Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. Jesus resisted and I'm giving you a lot of verses you can go back and look at those um, later but all of these will show you how um, Jesus how these points are made and Hebrews 1 3 uh, it says that Jesus is the exact representation of the father okay so we said in um, Genesis 1 God made them in his God made male and female in his image and likeness and image and likeness was representation And now you have Jesus, who is the exact representation of God, okay? Uh, Jesus resisted temptation, which Adam did not. We remember what happened in Genesis 3, the fall, and Adam ate the fruit, which he was not supposed to eat, and uh, Eve was tempted, and Adam also was, and they ate of the fruit, which they were not supposed to eat. But jesus was also tempted if you remember he goes to the wilderness for 40 days we'll look at that more um, in the coming slides but he goes to the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted there and but he did not sin he did not um, uh, fall he did not believe the words of the devil of satan and he did not sin in the same way Again, in Matthew um, 26, we see that Jesus is in the garden, and he is fighting temptation. He wants, he is suffering, and he's like, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass, but not my will, but your will. So he succeeded where Adam did not. Jesus defeated Satan on the tree where Adam lost at the tree. It was the tree that God said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, It was at the tree that Adam lost. And Jesus won at the tree. Colossians 2.15 says he made a public spectacle of the enemies on the cross. Jesus received dominion and all authority, which Adam was supposed to exercise. If you remember the covenant with creation that we looked at, what God told Adam was rule and subdue the earth okay be fruitful multiply and rule and subdue the earth that is what adam was supposed to do and that is what we have seen throughout the covenants god's intention for us is to rule the earth as his representatives through obedience that is what god has told people over and over again and adam failed to do that because of his sin but Jesus, because of his obedience and because of his victory, he won and he was given dominion and all authority. In Matthew 28, he says, all dominion and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everything has been given to me. So he, had, he, now, he has all the dominion authority, which Adam was supposed to exercise, but he failed. And again, Adam was also told, be fruitful and multiply. And when we looked at the covenant uh, with creation, we said that was to make more image bearers, right? Make more image bearers so that they will all spread across the earth and they will multiply and they will bring Eden sort of to the whole world. But that's where Adam failed. The image of God was marred because of sin. But jesus he produces other image bearers in his own image in the image of the new creation when he said go and uh, make disciples of all nations okay that's how the image bearers are produced and jesus does that okay so again there's a lot more you can say you can look at romans 5 where paul talks about adam and christ and how he says adam is a type of Christ and then through Adam came death but through Jesus comes life. Okay, so that's another contrast where Jesus is the better Adam. Okay. Let's look at Abraham. Let's come down now and look at Abraham. We said Jesus was the seed of Abraham. And what was the promise that was given to Abraham? God said, "In your seed all the nations shall be blessed. That is what God said, and we, we saw how Paul emphasizes that it's not a plural seed, but it's a singular seed. In your seed, all the nations shall be blessed. And when we looked at the blessing, it's not material blessing. And anytime you listen to um, prosperity preachers or health and wealth preachers, Every time when you look at when they come to this verse, this is sort of their favorite verse, I would say, uh, when it comes to talking about what the gospel is. They insert this into the gospel to say the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, material riches and abused differently. But that's not what blessing of Abraham is. Blessing of Abraham we saw in when we looked at the covenant with Abraham is relationship with God. It's salvation. It's what Adam lost. And that is what God said, you will be blessed. And through you, all the nations will be blessed. I will bring all the nations into relationship with me through your seed. That is what the blessing of Abraham is. And we know that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. Matthew 1.1. Even before he goes into the genealogies, Matthew says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so we know that Jesus was the son of Abraham. And then in Galatians 3.14, Paul says that in Jesus, we receive the blessing of Abraham. And what is the blessing of Abraham? Paul specifies that again in the same verse, that we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. That is the blessing of Abraham, this, the relationship and the Holy Spirit living in us through faith. And Jesus was the one who came to bring that. And also in Ephesians 1 4 to 8, we see how in the Son we have become sons of God. We have been adopted, we have been redeemed, and we have been brought into God's family through the eternal Son. Yes, lady. Moses. Yeah. yeah so Abraham is called the friend of God, and through Abraham, we have become through uh, through faith we have become sons of Abraham, and we have that same relationship. Okay, and that's why Jesus says, "I no longer call you um, servants, slaves, but I call you friends." In John. Okay. Yes, Tom. Yeah. So, so part of that blessing is deliverance. Yeah, part of the blessing. The the uh, to summarize what Tom said at the end of Acts three, you see that Paul says that through your through the fathers, uh, Jesus turns away, turns us away from our wickedness. That is part of the blessing to Abraham, of Abraham. Okay, um, so we're going down the covenants we've. We saw how Jesus was the better Adam, and where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded, and where what was promised to Abraham, that through your seed, the nations will be blessed. We saw that Jesus is that seed through whom the nations are blessed. And again, there are other verses, John 8, 39, which I think Kevin is preaching on this morning, we'll hear more, where he, the pharisees are saying abraham is our father and jesus says if abraham were your father you would do the things that abraham did what did abraham do he believed right he had faith he believed and that's not what the pharisees were doing and also galatians 3 7 where paul says through faith we have become sons of abraham Okay, so it's the relationship, it's the faith, it's the promise of the Holy Spirit. That is the blessing of Abraham. And that is what Abraham believed when God told him, um, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and through your seed, I will bless all the nations. All right, so let's look at Moses next. We come to Moses. After Abrahamic covenant, we looked at, look at the Mosaic covenant, and this is... We'll look at Israel also, but Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant or the, yeah, of the Sinai Covenant. And Jesus is the greater prophet that Moses himself prophesied. If you look at Deuteronomy 18, Mo, uh, Moses says, There will be a greater prophet than me, and you should listen to him. Moses himself prophesied about jesus and we see that jesus was the greater prophet john in the first uh, introduction of his gospel in verse 17 he says the law came through moses but grace and peace or mercy one of the two i'm not sure which one but grace and peace let's go with peace for now um came through jesus truth sorry (laughs) grace and truth came through jesus okay and then also you look at Matthew 5 he goes up the mountain right which is what Moses did in the wilderness he went up the mountain and got the law of the lord from god in the tablets and the whole covenant that god told him this is what you shall do and this is what you should not do all of those Moses received when he went up the mountain. And now in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes up the mountain and he says, it was said to you in the past, this, but I say to you, this. Okay? And then in the same way as in the end of Deuteronomy, Moses tells them, follow the way of the Lord. And in the end of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the parable of the two builders. If you're wise and you will... Um, build on the word of the Lord, which I have spoken. And if you're foolish, you will hear the word and walk away and not build your house on it. So in the same way, there are a lot of parallels there, but Jesus is definitely equating himself to God, right? In the past, in in the old covenant, Moses received all the commandments from God. But Jesus is saying, it was said to you, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Okay, so here Jesus is giving his law, which is an interpretation of the old law. So here you can see that Jesus is the greater prophet than Moses. Jesus led a greater exodus. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and we call that event the exodus, right? And Jesus leads us sinners who are in bondage to sin out of the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom, which is what Colossians 1.13 is. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, okay? Jesus leads a greater exodus. Jesus is the bread of life. If you remember in Exodus 16, the people are like, we're hungry, give us bread to eat. And then you have uh, the manna that, comes in the desert and they all think Moses gave bread but it was actually God who gave bread but Jesus says I am the bread of life okay it was not Moses but it was my father and here is the bread that will sustain you he says in John chapter 6 he says I am the bread of life okay Jesus is the bread of life Jesus is also the rock and provides living water in Exodus 17 now they're thirsty and they're like we need water And they're like, why did you leave us? Why did you not leave us in Egypt? We were fine. At least we had water to drink. And Moses goes and prays, and then from the rock comes water. And Jesus says, I am the living water. Or, sorry, uh, anyone who trusted me out of him will be uh, living streams of living water will come out. And he gives the living water, which is the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, I'm the living water. Sorry about that. But he says, anyone who believes in me, out of him, streams of living water will flow. And Jesus is the first fruits, and he leads people into the promised land. Moses, for all that he did and everything that he accomplished, he was a larger-than-life figure in the Old Testament. He did not enter the promised land. But Jesus... He leads people into the promised land because he's the first one who went there. He was the first one who was resurrected. And through him and in him are everyone else that goes into the promised land. See, Jesus is the first fruits. And he, in that sense, what Moses did not do, Jesus does. Again, you can look at these numbers. Numbers, uh, sorry, these uh, Bible references. Numbers chapter twelve, chapter twenty, and verse twelve, where God says to Moses and Aaron, because of this, therefore, because they did not glorify God in the midst of the people, you will not enter the promised land. But Jesus glorified God, and He leads people. And also, if Hebrews chapter two, He led a captive. When he ascended, so he leads people into the promised land, which Moses did not. It was not just Moses that is part of the uh, old covenant, but also Israel. Israel was supposed to be uh, was part of the old covenant also, and they were required to do certain things. So let's see how um, Jesus is the true and better Israel. Jesus, the eternal son, fulfilled what Israel could not. You know, you see in what was sonship, when we spoke about sonship throughout this class, we said sonship is representation. And in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, when Moses goes to the Pharaoh, God tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son, let my son go. Israel was God's son, and Israel was supposed to represent God to all the nations, but they failed to do it, and in but Jesus, he the eternal Son, he fulfilled and he represented God. John one eighteen, we see the same thing where the begotten God came to reveal God. Sorry, I'm butchering the verse, but John one eighteen, if you can go back and look at that. But also in Matthew three seventeen, we see when he is baptized, the heavens are opened, the Holy Spirit descends on him as a dove, and you hear a voice saying, this is my beloved son. Okay, God affirming that this is my beloved son to Jesus. Sorry, I don't know why I have, oh, Matthew 17, 5. Yes, I was thinking of John 17, 5. Matthew 17 is the transfiguration. And again, at the same event that happens where at the transfiguration, there's a voice that is heard. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Okay? Where Israel failed to be the son, Jesus was the better son. Jesus resisted temptation in the wilderness, unlike Israel. And Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And again, this is not a coincidence that he went for 40 days. He goes there to recapitulate Israel's history, which is 40 years Right? And he's there in the, in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted. And you can see his temptation also. What are his temptations? Satan comes and tells him, go and, I mean, you're hungry, I know. So here's stone, convert, um, turn them into bread and eat it. And then he says, um, I'll give you all the nations if you uh, worship me. And also the other one, he says, throw yourself off this mountain. And uh, it says in the scriptures that God will protect you. And what does Jesus say when he tempts him? Man shall not live by bread alone. What was the first way that people did not trust God, the Israelites did not trust God in the wilderness? The first thing they asked was, give us bread. Like, why did you leave us in Israel, in Egypt? Right? We could have died. At least we would have had food. So give us bread. So here Jesus is not succumbing to the, t- the temptation, but he is overcoming that temptation and he's succeeding where Israel failed. Um, Exodus 17 is where they ask for the water and Moses later on he says, do not test the Lord as you tested him at Massa, which is Exodus 17. Okay, And Jesus says, you shall not test the Lord your God when Satan asks him, throw yourself off of the cliff. And then we see in Exodus 32, the golden calf. They make the golden calf, and they worship the golden calf, Israel. And when Satan tells Jesus, worship me, and I'll give you all the nations, he says, no, get behind, uh, leave Satan, for it is said, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. So where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded in the wilderness. And in that way, he is the better Israel. Israel. Jesus is the greater high priest unlike the Levitical high priest. And we see this in Leviticus 16 where it's the day of atonement where they had to go and they had to first cleanse themselves and then go offer a sacrifice and the atonement for all the people. And in Hebrews, um, the, the writer of Hebrews says Jesus is a priest of the order of Melchizedek, not of the Levitical priest. So he's greater than the Levitical priest, because he's the priest of the order of Melchizedek, okay? And also, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, he says, after he finished his work, he went and sat down. None of the priests in the Old Testament sat down because they knew that the work was not done. They had to come back again. They had to come back every year again and again and again and again, okay? Because the work was not done. But, But Jesus, when he offered the sacrifice, he sat down because the work was done and it was done for all time. Okay, So Jesus is the greater high priest. Jesus fulfilled the law which Israel did not. We saw it in the Old Covenant or the Mosaic Covenant where when Moses comes and presents all the words of the Lord and Israel responds, everything the Lord has said we will do. Obviously, they did not, right? Um, but Jesus, he was born under the law, Galatians 4.4, 4, and he fulfilled the law completely, Matthew 5.17. Where Israel failed to fulfill the law, Jesus fulfilled the law completely. In Hebrews 4.15, there was no sin in him. Israel was called to be the light to the nations. You can look at Deuteronomy 4.6, where it says that through you, the nations will know who the Lord is, but obviously Israel failed. And in fact, um, if you read through the Bible, it says, because of you, my name is defiled among the nations. They did the exact opposite of what God told them to do. But Jesus, he is the one who... um, is a light to the nations. You can see in Acts 26, 23, where Paul says that Jesus is the light to the nations. And also in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, where he says, go and make disciples, go into all the nations and make disciples. So he is the one who saves. He is the one who is the light to all the nations. Where Israel failed, Jesus fulfilled what God required them to do. Of course, there are many other parallels, like Hosea 11.1, 1, where it says, Out of Egypt I called my son, and um, Matthew says the same thing when Jesus comes out of Egypt after the death of Herod. Like, out of Egypt I called my son. There are many parallels, but I'm looking at the comparisons where Israel failed, but Jesus succeeded. Right, so that's the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Covenant. The covenant we looked at after that was the Davidic Covenant. And said Jesus is the better David. At Jesus' baptism, Jesus' baptism was his anointing. You remember when Samuel goes and to the house of Jesse? He's like, do you have any more sons? And he's like, yeah, I have another one who is tending sheep. And they brought him, and God tells him, Here, this is the one anoint him. Okay, so he is anointed to be king. The same way Jesus in his baptism was anointed to be king, and the heavens opened, and God said, This is my son. This you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Okay, so Jesus is the better David. Jesus won victory over all the enemies of God's people. David, even to his last days, was still fighting. But if you remember Second Samuel um, chapter 7 and verse 11, God says, I will give victory to your son, to you and to your house, okay, over all your enemies. But David was still fighting, and even after that, the sons of David were still fighting, and eventually they lose and they go into exile, but there was no victory. But Jesus, he, get, he wins over all the enemies of God's people, Colossians 2.15, he made a public spectacle of them on the cross. And again, you can also read that in 1 Corinthians 15:25 20, to 26, where all the enemies are placed under his footstool, and the last enemy to be defeated is death. So Jesus wins victory over all the enemies, which David was, uh, God had promised David, but did not happen, but came to fruition in and through Jesus. Jesus's dominion is forever. Remember that was one of the promises that God made David in the Davidic covenant, where He says, "Your kingdom will have no end." And uh, which is Second Samuel seven sixteen, Luke one thirty three, when the angel comes and tells, uh, announces to Mary the birth of Jesus. She says, "He will sit on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will have no end." And again, the same thing you see in Ephesians one twenty one, and also revelation eleven fifteen. so jesus fulfills everything that david that god had promised david but did not happen in david's life so jesus is the better david the next thing we looked at was all the prophets after the davidic covenant the prophets come about the Davidic kings are not ruling. In fact, they are under foreign rule. And the prophets are like, what's going on? Like, where are the promises of God? God said through David, all the nations will be, uh, David will be, will rule over, the son of David will rule over all the world. But it's not happening. In fact, there are foreign countries that are ruling over us. And that's where they prophesy to say that God himself will deliver. God himself will and he will deliver, and those are the prophecies we looked at when we looked at the prophets talking, proclaiming the new covenant. And one of the things they said is that this deliverer will be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter seven and verse fourteen. Okay, um, that is what Isaiah goes and prophesies that there will be a. This will be the sign that their son. Will be born of a virgin, and Jesus was born of the virgin. In that sense, he fulfills the prophecy that Isaiah prophesied. Jesus is the true servant. We see in Isaiah 53, the servant, the suffering servant who takes on the iniquities and the transgressions of the people. And we see the same thing about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, where he humbled himself and he was obedient to be a bondservant, even, and he humbled himself and became a servant, and he was obedient even to, the, to death on a cross. So Jesus is the true servant. Jesus is the good shepherd. When we looked at Ezekiel, the prophecies that Ezekiel was making about the new covenant, there is an indictment to all the shepherds in the land of Israel to say, you have failed, but then I will send my shepherd Right? That I myself will deliver is what God proph- uh, prophesied through Ezekiel. And then Jesus in chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Okay, so which he did. And through that, he gathers all his people to himself, all his sheep to himself. So, where the uh, leaders of the Israelites failed and Ezekiel prophesied that God himself will deliver as a shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the light to the nations. We saw that how Israel was supposed to be the light to the nations, but then Isaiah then prophesied that there will be a true Israel in Isaiah 49 6. And it's not enough that you bring back the house of Jacob, but I will make you a light to all the nations, is what was prophesied about this servant, about this uh, Redeemer. And in Acts 26, 23, Paul says that he, Jesus was the light to the nations. Jesus brings forgiveness of sin. When we looked at the New Covenant, the prophecies about the New Covenant, this was the most important part of the new covenant where God says I will remember their sins no more. Okay, which is what the new covenant was is all about, the forgiveness of sins. And we know that in Jesus we have forgiveness of sins. Even before he was born, the angel announced to David to say you will call him Jesus, for he will redeem, he will forgive save his people from their sins. Thank you, Lenny. He will save his people from their sins. And also in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Okay, so the the main part of the new covenant is the relationship because there is no sin, which was what we looked at last week. There is no sin, and because there is no sin, there will be no death. And Jesus came to bring a to put an end to sin, to forgive us of all our sins, so that God will remember our sins no more. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel, in chapter 36, when he talks about the new covenant, he says that I, God says that I will put my spirit in you. Okay, so that was a big sign of the new covenant. I will give you a new heart, and I will put my spirit in you. And Jesus, he's the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says that. I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus also says, it is better that I go away because if I go away, I will send the Spirit to you. And also in John twenty and verse twenty-two, he breathes the Spirit upon his disciples. And in Acts one eight, he says, "Wait for the Holy Spirit." And of course, in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples, and then subsequently to all the people who will believe. All right, so we looked at all the covenants to see how Jesus fulfilled and succeeded where the other covenant mediators failed. I know it was a lot of information we went through really fast, but your handout has all the verses, um, and you can go back and look at those verses and compare those to see how, what was promised in the Old Testament and what the, old co- the previous covenant mediators were supposed to do, Jesus fulfilled, and he is the better covenant mediator, and he undoes the curses, because he, um, I mean, well, the un- the undoing of the curses is where he became sin for us. He took on all the curses, Galatians 3.13. He became a curse for us. Okay, that's where he takes on the the punishment of breaking the covenant, which are all the curses, and he dies in our place. But that's that just brings us to zero. Because of the failing, because of all the failures of the covenant mediators and of all the covenants people were in the negative like it's a huge i won't say infinity because it started somewhere but it's a huge 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 number that people were in the negative okay so by his death he undoes all of that and brings them to zero okay but that's still not enough because you're at neutral right now Okay, and that is where he fulfills the law, he shows what was supposed to be done, and he does it perfectly, and because of that we have positive credit now. And which is what Second Corinthians five twenty one is. He who knew no sin, he who did not know was not liable to any curse, he became a curse for us, he became sin for us and in that way he undid all of that negative credit and in him we become the righteousness of God because of his righteousness we gain positive credit and because of that now we can enter into the promised land okay okay let's see if i can get through the next two verses the next two slides in 5 minutes So if Jesus undid all the curse and fulfilled all of God's demands and stipulations, so where are the new heavens and the new earth? Why is there still death? Okay, so that's one of the questions that we asked. And for that, you have to understand the concept of already, not yet. Okay, so let me explain this um, quickly. So in the Old Testament, the prophetic expectation was that you have this present age, which is stained with sin, death, God's enemies, and all the powers and everything. You have this present age. And then, as the prophets prophesied, there will be a Davidic Messiah. A Davidic Messiah will come, and he will inaugurate the new age right and the age to come and in the age to come there will be new creation there will be a new covenant there will be judgment to all those who failed but there will be salvation and there will be kingdom for God's people there will be a new temple a new exodus and the day of the lord all of these things is what the prophets prophesied and this was their understanding of how things would happen right there would be one day which is what the jews are still waiting for that one day When this present age, the age that they are in and where there is sin and death, all of that will just be gone and then the new age will begin. It's a clear marker and that is what the prophets prophesied and which is what the Jews are still expecting. But that was not how God had planned it from the beginning. And that's where we come to the phase in history which is already not yet so with the first coming of jesus all of those things were already inaugurated okay there was there is a new creation jesus is the first fruit of the new creation there is the new covenant which we are all part of today there is judgment which jesus took upon himself there is salvation for us because of what jesus did and we are in god's kingdom there's a new temple and a new exodus which we will talk about but the whole thing will be realized at the second coming of jesus we have realized in part that is why you can see those red boxes it's in part right now but at the second coming of jesus there will be no more pink which is this present age but there will only be the age to come but right now we are in the already not yet where you have both the red and the pink okay there is still death we still die, okay? And we still sin because we are still living in this human body and we are still part of this present age to a certain extent. But at the second coming of Jesus, this present age will be done away with. And this was God's plan so that his glory will be shown during this already not yet period. So we experience God's kingdom fully in right now. It doesn't mean that we are not experiencing God's kingdom. We are experiencing God's kingdom, okay? But there is still certain things that are yet to be fulfilled. And the number one thing you can think of is death, where sickness, when Jesus comes, there will be no more death and no more sickness and no more sin, okay? So prophecies are fulfilled. All the prophecies that the prophets made, they are fulfilled. One of the things that you can think of is Acts chapter two, where Peter stands up and says this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. Okay? Where he says that the holy spirit will be poured out on all flesh on the from the least to the greatest. But then the holy spirit there are still people who are yet to be brought into God's fold. So in a sense yes, the holy spirit is being poured out but there will be a day when everybody who is in the new covenant will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there will be no death, no, sin- no sickness, and no more suffering. The blessings that are prophesied, they're already ours. They are ours. But the full enjoyment is not yet. It will be when Jesus comes back again and does away completely with this present age. Some verses to look at is 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6, which says that we are already seated in the heavenly places with Christ. We are already seated, but here we are, right? So how is it that we are already seated and we are also here? It's already, yes, we are seated and we will be fully seated in the heavenly places with Christ when Jesus comes back again in his second coming. 1 Corinthians 10.11 and also 15.26, you can read that. In 1 Corinthians 10.11, Paul says, the end of ages has already come upon those who have believed. Okay, So where are the new heavens and the new earth? They are coming, but we are already part of it because of our union with Jesus. All right, let's see how we did with all the questions that we asked in the beginning. Yes, the first question is done. And the first question was, how did the new covenant and Jesus as the covenant mediator fulfill all the prophecies? We looked at that. Is Jesus a new and better Adam? Yes, we did that. Uh, Is Jesus the true seed of Abraham? Yes, we saw that. Um, The next thing we saw was the new covenant is here. Then where are the new heavens and the new earth? Which we also saw that's because of the already and not yet. And finally, why is there still death and sickness? It's again because of the already not yet part of god's plan so that's gone and the two questions that we haven't answered is are we still obligated to the old covenants and what about god's original plan this is where the church comes into picture which we will look at in our next class all right it's time and i know i went really fast if you have any questions please talk to me uh after service and i can definitely help answer those questions but again for bob's sake i had to rush All right, let's pray before we go. Father, we thank you for for your plan. Thank you for your wisdom. We praise you, Lord, for how you sent your son Jesus and he who undid the curse for our sake and he was the true righteousness and in him we have life and we can enter into your presence and be part of your family. We thank you, Lord, for this. And Lord, as we live in this in this part of history, the already not yet, Lord, we pray that you will help us to hold on to Jesus and to him only, our covenant mediator. We pray all this in his name. Amen.